Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Praise the Lord. Come on, sometimes you just got to shout. Amen. You remember those old commercials? It says, when you got a tough stain, what do you got to do to a tough stain? Come on, anybody old enough to remember those commercials? You got to shout it out. Come on. Man, I'm telling you what, if some of you would learn to shout, you would find that victory is on the other side. Amen. Come on, I know you've gotten real good at whimpering and whining and crying, but listen, there is a victory on the other side of your shout. Amen. You might say, you know what, I'm not used to that. Listen, we could hang outside your walls, and I could guarantee you there's some shouting we'd hear at different times in your lifetime. Right? You might be yelling at your kids, get out of here! <laughs> right? Well, why don't you think you can speak to your circumstances? And I don't mean shouting out of frustration. I'm talking about shouting in faith. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I don't know if that helped anybody that helped me. Praise the Lord. And so you realize, you know, uh, the Bible speaks of the, the man that was on the bed and uh, Jesus was ministering to the crowd, right? And the Bible says that when Jesus was inside of the house, there were so many people that these, these friends, these four friends with this guy that was laid lame on the bed was unable to get to where Jesus was. So the Bible says that they were so crazy, they just decided to climb up on top of the roof and tear a hole in the roof and lower the friend down in front of Jesus. How many of you know that you need some crazy friends, some faith friends that will stir you up? Amen. Listen, you've got all kinds of friends that will boo-hoo with you, that will say, oh, that's a sad story. Oh, you should just go ahead and just take a run and take a leave and just get rid of that jerk. No, there is a shout of faith, and there are friends that will help you engage your faith to see the victory come to pass. Amen. So praise the Lord. Sometimes you just got to figure out who those crazy friends are. (laughs) Come on. You realize that, you know, your lifestyle of faith And the hope that you've been given. We've been ministering on the subject of hope. You realize that your hope is there to help somebody else. Right? Your life is not just for your own. Your life is to help somebody else. Remember I said this last week. I said concerning hope. Hope is just another expression really of faith. Well, I should say it this way. Hope precedes faith. Hope gives faith something to fight for. And so the Bible says fight the good fight of faith. So that means that you need somebody that's going to get in the fight with you, right? And so you might say, well, why has God called me to be to this church? Well, I told you how God has just kind of raised me up. That this has kind of been my life. I've just been a fighter. I've been a right fighter sometimes. Sometimes I'm fighting for just a cause that, you know, you just need to just shut up about. But nevertheless, I'm just a fighter. And so therefore, God assembles people of like faith. But if they're of like faith, then they're of like fate. Fight, Right? And so that means that God's put a fight in you to be an impact and a blessing to somebody else's life because of what God's put in you. And because you got some crazy friends, God's going to use you to change the landscape. Amen? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Let's pray and try to get this thing 
heading in the right direction. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that, Lord, you're going to speak to us directly what we have need of hearing this morning. That, Lord, it's going to encourage us, it's going to stir our faith, and it's going to promote us to move into action. Lord, we're no longer going to sit on the sidelines. We're no no longer be a, a pew warmer. God, we're going to get into the game, get into the fight, and God, we're going to see things change in our lives because you are a good God. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen and amen. Praise God. Well, uh, again, if you recall, we've been in this series, and this is the third week of our series simply entitled Hope. There's hope for the holidays. And so, uh, if you recall, we said concerning this subject called hope, there is a hope that the world has, and there is a hope that the church has. There is a hope that those that don't know Jesus have, and there are those that are a part of the body of Christ that there is a type or a kind of hope that they have. And they're not the same. We said by definition that hope for those that are apart from Christ is the same thing as wishing. It is to wish something good to happen, but thinking that the probability is unlikely. Come on. How many of you know there's a lot of people wishing and hoping for good things, but don't have any real expectation for something good to happen? Amen. You might know some of them people. You get around them, and every time you get around them, it's boo-hoo, sad story. Just bring you on down, right? But there is a hope. There is a God hope. There is a Bible hope that belongs to you and I as believers, as children of God, as God's people. And the definition of the God kind of hope is a hope that is a joyful, confident expectation. I said this hope that you have, that I have, is a confident expectation that's full of joy. Come on, I'm telling you, it don't matter what it looks like. It don't matter how bad it seems. I'm telling you, there is a hope with a joyful, confident expectation. Well, what's my expectation? Well, praise the Lord, this really looks bad, and I'm just confident that it's going to get worse. Woohoo! No, that's not the kind of expectation we're talking about. It says that from the world's standpoint, they're wishing and hoping something gets better. For us, we don't have to wish and hope something gets better. We know that God's on the scene. Amen. Amen. So therefore, I have a confident expectation. And it don't matter what it looks like. I still got my joy. Praise God. I still got a smile on my face. Now you might say, well, I feel like crying. Well, you can just stir up the gift of joy on the inside because hope comes from God, not from the world or the things that that can try to make you feel better. Amen? You know, there's a, there's a song that says, the, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. Amen? I've got hope on the inside. And I can have a confident expectation to receive from God and it can be full of joy. Amen? Well, what can I expect? What do you have need of? Now, see, this is where it gets kind of fuzzy for some people. Because you'll hear people say this. Maybe you've said it before. They'll say, well, you know, God's not a genie. You know, he's not a genie in the bottle that you can just rub the bottle and get some wishes and grant it from God. Or you, you just can't rub your Bible and expect God to grant three wishes. He's not a genie in the bottle that he's just there at your beck and call to do whatever you want to. And that statement is true. But the way that they're describing it is really off course 
or it doesn't line up with the heart of God. Let me explain what I mean by that. For those that don't walk with God or don't live with God, and that could be somebody that is unsaved, that they don't know Jesus. So if they don't know Jesus, obviously they're not walking with God. But how many of you know there is a lot of Christian people that receive forgiveness of sin, but they're still not walking with Jesus? You know what I'm saying? I mean, they might show up to church from time to time, roll in when it's convenient or whatever the case might be. I'm talking about people that are Christians Pray to prayer, go to church every now and then, but they're not walking with Jesus. Those are the people that will say this, Jesus or God is not a genie in a bottle and he just don't do whatever you want him to do. Listen, when you live that kind of a life where you're not actually walking with God, those are the people that actually treat God like the genie in the bottle, not the other way around. What do I mean by that? Oh, God. The doctors gave me a bad report. If you can do anything, please, I'm wishing and hoping and I'm praying you can heal my body. Well, what were you doing for the last six months? Well, I was having fun, but right now I've got a bad report and I need Jesus to do something. I just lost my job. I don't know what I'm going to do for Christmas. Oh, God, please do something. God, I need you to do something in my marriage. Oh, God. Right? Are you getting the picture? You see, people that don't walk with God or live a life of faith of knowing Him, they are the ones that are treating God like the genie in the bottle because it's convenient. God, I have a need right now, and so, God, I'm praying and hoping and wishing that you might do something, but I don't really have a confident expectation. But... When you're a person that's walking with Jesus, when you're a person that's living a life of faith, it's not a genie in the bottle kind of concept. It's no God is my God, and my God supplies all of my needs according to His riches and glory. I know that there's going to be tough times and trials that come along, but I know that my God will see Him through them all. I know that there's times that I might go through the fire, but there's a fourth man in the fire, and I'll come out not smelling like smoke. I know that my God is able. I know that there are going to be walls that come up against me, but I know that when I shout, they're going to come down because because I walk with my God and I know my God and my God takes care of me. And it's not a matter of me having to ask it. It's a matter of him just doing it because I walk with him and I know him. Amen. So it's not a matter of God being this genie in a bottle kind of thing. No, it's just the way that he is. It's just the kind of God he is. That's the kind of father he is that he just takes care of me. Amen. And the only ones that complain about it or have issues about it are the ones that are living it out and are actually seeing the blessings of God. And so what do they do? They step back and say, well, yes, you know, they're the blab it and grab it prosperity preachers, and it's just because they want money. No, it's just simply because they've learned how to trust God, and you step back saying, well, God, when it's convenient, I'll get a hold of you. Woo, praise the Lord. That's some good preaching nevertheless. All right. <laughs> Come on. How many of you know that there is a Bible hope that doesn't disappoint? I said when you walk with God, there is no disappointment. There might be some things that you don't necessarily understand, but there is a hope that we can have when it comes to knowing God. And it doesn't disappoint. Now, here's the difference, as I was said, concerning those that would look at God as the genie in the bottle. See, it's the difference of being a person that is kingdom-minded versus being a person that is thingdom-minded. 
said it's a difference of somebody being kingdom-minded versus somebody being thingdom-minded. Come on, how many know there's a lot of people in the church and even preachers that are kingdom-minded rather than kingdom-minded? And God says that he wants us to be about the kingdom's business. And as long as we're a part of the kingdom of God and seeking first the kingdom of God, our hope shall not be disappointed. It will have a confident expectation that is full of joy. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to bring your attention to an individual by the name of Zacchaeus. I realized that a few weeks ago we uh, uh, shared a little bit along the lines of his story and, and what we were sharing or ministering on, but I just couldn't get away from the story of Zacchaeus once again because the Bible says that he sought to see Jesus. And see, Zacchaeus is, is a lot like you and I in a lot of different ways. But he was an individual that sought to see Jesus. If you remember the story, the Bible tells us that he was short in stature. He couldn't really get a good vantage point of seeing who Jesus was. So the Bible says that Zacchaeus went ahead and he climbed a tree so that when he passed by, he could see Jesus. He wasn't even looking to have an audience with Jesus. He was just looking to see him. How many of you know that as every time you come to church, Jesus is passing by? Come on, when you come to church, it's not just a matter of us doing the format, formality of doing church and singing some songs and passing the bucket that we don't put anything in. We just say, ha, ha, there it goes, and there it went, praise the Lord. And then I go home after we just heard the preaching of the gospel. No, it is a matter of us coming and having an experience of, hey, Jesus passed by. <laughs> praise the Lord. You know, I throw those things in from time to time about offering, you know. And so, uh, uh, you know, it's just to see if you're awake. Y'all awake? Y'all doing okay? <laughs> and if you're a giver, that don't offend you anyways because you're like, well, praise the Lord. Every time it comes by, I'll put something in it. Praise God. Amen. So, <laughs> so Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was getting in the tree. Now, how many of you know it says that he was seeking to see him? So, in other words, there was a hope that he would see Jesus. How many of you know that it isn't just a matter of coming with the hopes of maybe seeing him? But as a child of God, you can have the hope, confident expectation, having a joyful expectation that not only will you see him, you will encounter him. And when you encounter him, it will change your life. Now remember I said that Zacchaeus is a lot like you and I. And that is, is that Zacchaeus had a past. He had a story. And you know in the story that Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and tax collectors were not very popular in the day, right? They despised them because you realize that their way of making a living was to collect taxes for the government, but the way that they would also make a living from themselves is that they would use that means of collecting taxes in an unfavorable way for the taxpayer. And they would pad their pockets and they would live high on the hog, right? And so they were greatly despised by people. And they actually looked at tax collectors as somebody that was an adulterer. As somebody that was a murderer. Somebody that would rob. Somebody that would would be, um, did I say an adulterer already? He, that they were looking at them as though they were the lowest of the low, right? They categorized them in that manner. But not only them, they also categorized their family 
as such. Remember I said to start with that God assembles you with the right people so that when you come together with the right people, hope will arise. And therefore, because you're a fighter, you're there to help somebody else come into a place of knowing God and having hope in Him. Right? Well, we saw Zacchaeus, that because of his life, his whole family was looked at and despised just like they despised him. So once again, it goes to the point to show that whatever people see you as, they're going to see everybody that you hang with as the same. Right? So we might as well be people of faith. We might as well be those people that trust God to do great things. But think about this. Many of us have been in those positions where we've had a past, right? Zacchaeus had a past. And if you remember when he came in contact with Jesus, he says, listen, I've realized that I've done something wrong. He says, I'm going to restore and repay. And he says, I'll even do it four times over if I have to. He says, but I'll make it right. There have been things that each and every one of us have done in our lives. And for that matter, in the last little while, there might be several great things that you have done. But isn't it interesting how as many great things as we've done, there's that one thing in the past that that's all it takes is for somebody to bring that up. And when they bring that up, it seems to erase all the great things and it reduces you to the place of where you were. And maybe it's in the mind of your own self. Maybe it's the enemy. You're feeling good and you're feeling, man, I'm walking with God. But then all of a sudden, the the old enemy brings up that stuff of what happened, the thing that you did. And therefore, as a a result, it reduces you back to that same place. And therefore, you no longer have hope. You no longer have victory because you find yourself identifying with the past. But the Bible says that when Jesus came, Jesus brought hope. Amen? Amen. Now think about this. Zacchaeus says, I want to wrong those things that were right. Or I'm sorry, right those things that were wrong. And maybe for some of you in this place, there are things that you sense hope arising. You sense that God's wanting to move you forward. You sense that there's joy that wants to bubble up. But again, there's this thing that keeps coming back. You realize that if you'll linger in that area too long without making things right, or at least getting them right in your heart, it will turn to regret. And if you linger in regret too long, how many of you know it will come to a place of resign, where you just resign to the fact that this is as good as it's going to get? Because you look at yourself in the mirror and you identify the thing of what was rather than what is. You see, this is, <clears throat> this is why it's so important to have your walk with God, to stir up hope. That's why it's so important for you to get around people of like faith, because it begins to remind you of who you are in Christ. And therefore, when you get around those of like faith, it helps you in the fight, because they'll partner alongside of you when times get rough, when it seems as though all hell's breaking loose. It's like, I just need somebody that will come and, and, and tap me out for a minute and help fight this fight with me. Amen? And when you do, you allow Jesus to bring hope. Amen. To allow it to rise up on the inside. And again, if you allow yourself to remain in this place, hope becomes diminished. And here's the thing. When you think about Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus' name meant pure. 
His name meant pure. What does your name mean? I don't mean maybe literally, but how does God see you? What has God said about you? Zacchaeus, his name is pure, but what do you do when you don't live up to your name? You see, you come to church and you feel good about things, you feel good about what's going on, but then you've got to face life Monday again, right? Or maybe you came to church and your spouse didn't come with you, your kids didn't come with you, and so you're here this morning thinking, well, praise the Lord. Man, it was a good Sunday. Man, I can't wait till Monday because we're going to get it set off in the right direction. In fact, you don't even have to wait till Monday because you get home and the husband, the wife, and the kids are waiting there for you. And this, oh man, it stirs that all up. And I was feeling good. But like I said, what do you do when your life doesn't live up to your name? What do you do when it feels like you're not living up to what God said about you? You just keep fighting the good fight of faith. You just keep stirring it up because there's hope on the inside. And in there is joy. And Jesus is passing by. I said Jesus is passing by. Amen? In fact, let me just encourage you. You might be struggling. Maybe this past week was a struggle. But you came to church today. I said, you came to church today. And the devil is extremely mad about it. He did everything he could to keep you from coming today. But yet, you came. Why? Because there was something that God had for you. There was hope that God wanted to stir up. There was joy that God wanted to ignite. There was a confidence that God wanted to give you. There was a pep in your step that God wanted you to leave with. And the devil's mad that you came here today because he wanted you to stay on the same path that you've been on. And so today is the day that it's turning. Why? Because I've got hope. I've got hope in God. Amen? And here's the thing. The devil will sidetrack you. Or I should say the things that sidetrack you are the things that you wanted or that you want. Let me give you an example. I said it seems to be those individuals that treat God as the genie in the bottle when it's though God I need you and God I want you to come through and all of a sudden God shows up. You see it's the things that you wanted or the things that you want that are so easily able to sidetrack you. God We're so far in the hole in debt that I can't even see my way out of this. God, I need you to do a miracle. And here comes God. He shows up. He passes by. And as he passes by, he begins to do a miracle in your life. He begins to arrange things and orchestrate things. He gives you a good job. And before you know it, things are progressing in the right way. And the thing that was propelling me or pushing me to get into the very presence of God is now the thing that says, you know what? It's all worked out. I got what I wanted. Now I can just sit back and get distracted. Right? Or or God, I've got need in my body for healing. The doctor says I'm going to die. And God gives you a miracle. And you're still here today. But now that you're here today, well, praise the Lord. God answered my prayers. I guess I can just go back to my old lazy way of being a Christian and just, you know, whenever I can get to church, whenever it's convenient, I'll I'll just come back when it's convenient because I got what I needed. Amen. 
Or you know what, God, I, I need somebody in my life. I need a spouse. I need a mate. And so when I find that one, God, I'm just going to serve you. We're going to do great things together. And now that I got that person, well, you know what? It's a whole lot easier to go away for the weekend. It's a whole lot easier to have fun because you know what? I work five days a week. I only get two days off. And so we might as well enjoy the weekend. I'll get to church one of these days. Come on, are you tracking with what I'm saying? I was just talking with somebody not too long ago. And they were saying, you know, uh, I got back into church. I was going to church regularly. And then I got online. I was wanting somebody in my life. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to try this experiment and get online and do that online dating thing. He said, I didn't put a whole lot of confidence in it. But when I put it up there, there was this person that came across and said she was a Christian, said that she loved God, said that she wanted to do life together with somebody that was in the same, same lane, driving in the same lane, having a heart for God as well. And so we started dating, and before we know it, it's like, man, I believe this is the one. I said, well, how's your church life going? Well, you know, we're having our prayer time. We're having our devotional time together. Well, how's your church time? Well, you know, they live in another city, so it's a little bit hard to get together and go to church on the weekends. Well, see, it's what you wanted or what you want that oftentimes is what gets you off track. Are you getting my point? And see, God wants you to give you hope. Not hope so that you can just get over the hurdle. He wants you to give you, give you hope for the journey. Amen? Come on. Let me just give you a little side thought. Because as I was talking about the, the individual that starts dating and says, you know, well, we're having our devotion time and our prayer time. I remember when we were in Bible college, they, they warned us about that. They said, you know, you guys come to Bible college and you start dating, you know. And he says, you know, you're going to start finding somebody. And then there's going to be those opportune times where it's like, well, you know, let's, let's have a Bible study. Let's have some prayer time. And he said, it's real easy when prayer time turns into kissy face time. And then kissy face time turns into, you know what I'm saying. I'm just simply talking about the things that you wanted are the things that can be the things that sidetrack you. Amen. I don't know why I said all that, but nevertheless, maybe it was for you. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I'm talking about having a heart that's walking and pursuing God. Amen. I'm talking about an individual that is kingdom-minded and not thingdom-minded. And when you're kingdom-minded, there is a hope. There is a confident expectation that will give you joy. And this joy, this confidence will cause people to follow you into the very kingdom of God because of your life. Amen? How do you know you're kingdom-minded? If you're a person that's kingdom-minded, you purpose to serve others. If you're kingdom-minded, your life is filled with grace. If you're kingdom-minded, you walk in humility. If you're kingdom-minded, you forgive easily. If you're kingdom-minded, you point others to Jesus. Amen. Now, if you're writing those down, I'll say them to you again. Because it's only the people that write them down that actually go to heaven. So anyways, praise the Lord. <laughs> when you're kingdom-minded, you serve others. You're filled with grace. You walk in humility. You forgive easily and you point others to Jesus. How do I know if I'm thingdom-minded? If you're thingdom-minded, you serve yourself. If you're thingdom-minded, you're filled with judgment. You look at others and you ask the question, what can you do for me? When you're thingdom-minded, you walk in pride. 
When you're thingdom-minded, you hold grudges. And when you're thingdom-minded, you point others to yourself. And it's only when you're kingdom-minded that you truly have hope. You see, Zacchaeus just wanted a glimpse of Jesus. But little did he know that Jesus was coming for him. I said he just wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus. Little did he know that the whole purpose of Jesus' passing by was to see him. Because you recall, when he got to him, he says, Zacchaeus, come down from here. How do you even know my name? Because I know you. See, you might think that Jesus don't know you. You might think that you're getting away with things. You might think that this is all under the shadow of whatever you're trying to get through and get, get by with. But Jesus sees it. And he's not there judging you. He's saying, listen, I've got a hope. I've got a life. I've got a purpose for your life that it will come with a confident expectation of receiving from me and living a life full of joy. Amen. There's a hope that we can experience. There's a hope that we have. You thought that you were just coming to church today. You thought you were coming to church today because you haven't been the last few weeks, so I might as well go, you know, and get my quota in. Or you say, well, you know, I didn't have anything better to do, so I thought I'd just come to church today. No, listen, you came to church today, and you had an assignment and an encounter and a time and a meeting with Him. When you're in the right place, He shows up. With your miracle. I said when you're in the right place. Your miracle is close at hand. I'm going to say that again. When you're in the right place. Your answer. Your miracle is right at hand. Amen. Thank God I'm in the right place. Say it with me. Say I'm in the right place. And it's never too late to reclaim your name. You might say, listen, I've been struggling, I've been doing this, I've been doing that. Listen, right now, today is a divine appointment and assigned time for you to come in contact to the one or with the one that gives you hope. To know Him. To experience Him. And so I want to ask you a question or really just give you a challenge. In this next week, in these next seven days between this Sunday and next, Having the intentionality that I'll see you next Sunday. But in these next seven days, what ways have you been like Zacchaeus? What ways have you been identifying with the past? What ways have you been identifying to say, this has been holding me back, but it's been holding me back in receiving hope or the hope that God has given? But see, listen, you don't have to stir up your hope because the hope that the world knows is simply a wish and a hope with no expectation and hoping probably that something won't ever happen. But when you come in contact with him, when hope stops by. Come on, did you see Zacchaeus just went to get a glimpse? But Jesus went to see him. Did you hear that? I said Zacchaeus just went ahead so that he could get a glimpse. But Jesus was passing by. Hope was passing by because hope wanted to see him. And the moment you come in contact with hope. The moment you come in contact with him, joy begins to bubble up. Let me conclude with this verse in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 3, it says, But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop in us patience or patient endurance. 
And patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. Verse 5. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. I said this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. You see, God has made hope available. And it doesn't disappoint. And look at the last part of that verse. It says, because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So in other words, if you've received Jesus, hope is on the inside. There is a confident expectation on the inside. You just got to turn it loose. And you can stir up joy in the meantime. Let's stand. Praise the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If it seems as though this year has started to wind down and it feels like things are starting to wane, I want to just encourage you to refocus your gaze. Position yourself for Jesus to pass by. Because he's heading your way. I said he's heading your way. And his miracle is in hand. I know you say, I don't know how it will change. I don't know how it will turn. Your job is not to figure out how it's going to come to pass. Your job isn't to put a time frame on it. It's just simply to say, God, I'm going to position myself to be where you are because you're passing by and hope is on the inside confidently expecting that which he's bringing for the answer is at hand don't turn to the right don't turn to the left keep your gaze straight ahead oh there will be things over here that try to pull there will be things over here that try to ensnare. But just remember that I'm here. And if you'll keep your focus on me, we'll join and your answer will be in hand. So rejoice now as though you already have it. For that which you rejoice for now is that which you will rejoice for then for it will become the reality. Father, we magnify you and we worship you. We bless your name for we thank you that we have hope. And for every single person here, I pray that you're restoring hope. Now, rather than asking you to raise your hands, I know that there's many that are going through things. There are many that are challenged. 
with decisions. There are those that are choosing to go here or there, but hear the voice of God and stay close. For it's in His presence that you find the victory. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person. I thank you that hope is arising. I thank you that hope is growing. And I thank you that, Lord, the joy is being stirred. And we give you all the thanks and praise in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.